We talked last week about our identity in Christ. The little illustration that I gave was at our Pizza Hut. I'm seeing, I'm going in more places that are proclaiming the name of Jesus than what I've seen before. It's just a, it's a subtle move of God. Wednesday afternoon, Jerry and Phyllis and I went over to a place in Lamarck that had soul cooking, soul food. And they had on their little tiny place in a strip center uh, praising the Lord, scriptures and different things that pointed to Jesus. And they were very, very uh, bold about that. Thank you. And their faith. Remember what the Pizza Hut man said? He had Christian music playing in there. And I said, do you ever get any pushback about this Christian music? And he said, uh, no, as a matter of fact, I don't. But I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. It's kind of like, uh, hello, I'm a Christian. And so we're learning about our identity in Christ. And that should come first in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we talked about it. This today, I'm going to talk about your destiny in Jesus. Now, our destiny is in Jesus Christ, but I want to talk about in Daniel chapter 2, and Jennifer has been gracious to pull that up. In Daniel chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 1 through 13. We know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel chapter 6. And uh, this is uh, Daniel facing Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, he was a despot. He uh, was a very cruel, obviously, uh, ruler, and uh, he had the power to, to put you to death. And we know that, obviously, when uh, the Hebrew people were put in exile in Babylon, that Daniel was there. But I believe in Babylon, those people, uh, obviously, all of these people we know that went to Babylon, they were in training. They were in preparation for something God wanted to do. And this, obviously, was Daniel, who was a faithful uh, man of God. So what I want to talk about this morning when we look at this scripture is I believe there are pivotal points in your life and my life. There are times in our life that we have to make a decision. Y'all have heard me say many times, and I use it in funeral services, as an old pastor spoke to me years ago when he said this. He said, Jim, you go through life, and you have two choices to make. One is a, a choice to bless people, encourage people, or the other way, you can curse people and discourage people. You have two choices, really. And you get down to it. Now, there are big, big decisions and small decisions, but they kind of wind up in those two categories, don't they? So think about that today in terms of what we're thinking about, because in the decisions that we make during the crucial times of life, obviously, can somehow set the course for the rest of our lives. Everything, when we started this year believing that God had given me a prophetic word that said that this is, 2019 will be uh, a year of new beginnings. And so we're praying that, Lord, what does this mean? How is this played out in our day-to-day -day role as individuals, families, and also as a church body? And I'm sure 
the church at whole. How is that? A, a year of new beginnings. We need new beginnings. And we started off the year, many of you, testifying, saying, you know, 2018 was tough. We're looking forward to 2019. And actually what was happening in all of that and what God's Spirit is doing, I believe, is bringing encouragement for us to realize the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in the year 2019. But there'll be decisions that you and I make during this year every day that are pivotal, pivotal to who we, what we, which way we're going and so forth that are crucial to how we live our lives. It will influence us many times the uh, rest of our lives. Martin Luther, remember he was the uh, father really of the Reformation, is that he was actually in a storm, a horrible storm where it was life-threatening and um, he came back and during that time he committed his life to the Lord and to be a monk. And this changed obviously the course of history think you can't change history, look down through history where one person changed the course of history. Remember Elisha? He was walking along. He was, he was in the field with his father. They evidently were uh, wealthy farmers because it said that he had uh, several oxen, which meant that he was wealthy. And uh, remember Elijah, the prophet, went walked past him and put his mantle on him, which means he, he put a call upon his life to train as a prophet under Elijah and then obviously to follow in Elijah's footsteps. And that happened. Here's the issue that Elisha could have said, I'm doing pretty good here. And, uh, you know, we're making good money here and working in the fields and so forth. And I'm not going to do what God tells me to do. And you and I face this each and every day of our lives. You remember, obviously, each of the disciples, obviously, they were called to follow Jesus, to leave what they were doing, to leave their father and their mother behind and to follow Jesus. And so they did. They said, yes, you know, they didn't know where they were going, but that faith aspect of them stepping out actually triggered and moved the heart of God. And these disciples, 12 of them, and I wound up to be 11, were all trained and set the world upside down by the decision that they made. Do you realize in your life how important that you are in the kingdom of God? Not because of us, but because God first chose us, that we are to be used in his kingdom in a powerful way. But he, he allows us to make choices, and he allowed Daniel to make the choices also. So think about these things as we go along here, because I'm talking about each and every one of you, because I believe in the days ahead that some significant things, prophetic things, are going to begin to evolve in your life, my life, and the life of Lighthouse Fellowship. I believe that with all my heart. My heart is set upon that, and I believe that's what God is doing according to his word. And so we have to seize that moment of opportunity. We have to look and say, okay, you know, I've got to put these things aside that are only temporary, and I've got to somehow work for the eternal things of life. Now, that doesn't mean you work for your salvation. That's a gift of grace. But I'm talking about working and serving the Lord out of a heart of gratitude. You remember there with Peter and his brother Andrew, they were busy fishing. 
And remember, Jesus called them. And remember what he said? He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, he's made us fishers of men. He's called us to be evangelistic. He's called us to look beyond our own four corners of our lives and look out into the area, a sphere of influence that we have each and every day. And so obviously they could have said no and turned away, but their time may have expired as a result of that. And you and I, to this day, it's crucial. And I believe this goes along with what God is saying as far as that new beginning in 2019 in your life, my life here at Lifehouse Fellowship. But these men, they accepted God's offer and obviously on God's terms, and they obviously turned the world upside down by the power of God's Spirit. It says they immediately left their nets and followed him. And so they didn't take and just lollygag around. I'm going to look at that and talk about that a little bit today because Mary and I were talking about this before the service about some things that God tells us to do. And Mary, Mary actually preached to me before I even started this morning. So I want to tell you, how does that work, right? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> we'll share about that. This is encouraging. This is really encouraging about Daniel's life. The first thing is that Daniel obviously faced was he was placed in a crisis that was pivotable, pivotal for his life. If you put the scripture up there, Jennifer, y'all know the scripture. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. He had a dream. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. And so the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream. It troubles me and I want to know what it means. And then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Not good. At that point, well, we, would, we would have said, I'm out of here, right? I'm out of this. I'm leaving this place, right? But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you receive from me the gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll interpret it. And then the king answered, I'm certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, and there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods and they do not live among men. And this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. That's the end. Actually, what had come, I'll, I'll just sum it up here. Daniel comes up to the king, and... Um, and he basically is saying, I can interpret the dreams. 
my God can, actually. So here we see that Daniel was placed in a crisis, and it was a pivotal time of his life here when we think about it here. And obviously, we see that it turns out uh, very, very good. But we see that he's being placed in a place of impossibility. It looks impossible, certainly. If he doesn't come through, the king says, I'm going to cut you to pieces. Now, Daniel could have said, why me? Why? <laughs> I mean, I've already gone. We're in exile here in Babylon. We're under captivity here. We're under some cruel and harsh punishment here. And, and here the king is asking me these types of things. He could have said, why, God, have you placed me in this situation? Because you see, we'll find out that God placed him in that situation. It wasn't that Nebuchadnezzar just had a dream. It was that God gave him the dream. So God was setting things up to bring glory and honor to himself. Hallelujah. So on the one hand, obviously, we can also blame Nebuchadnezzar for the situation there. But the dream came from the Lord. And here, actually, just as the song we just sang in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Is Daniel a good man? Yes. Remember, he prayed three times uh, during the day, the morning, noon, and nighttime. He prayed. He was, a, he was a prayer warrior here. And so this whole situation is a setup by God himself for Daniel. And so God gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream there, and we see that Daniel clearly says that God himself initiates this crisis by giving Nebuchadnezzar a troubling dream here. It tells me something very wonderful is that God is involved in the affairs of all of mankind, that he's involved in your life and he's involved in my life. So why wouldn't God give a special dream like this, that to some godly person? Because Nebuchadnezzar was not godly at all and, and somebody that was seeking his face. And God gives dreams today and he is giving dreams and visions today, just as Joel 2.28 says in, in, in the book of Acts. But yes, but in this case, God has strategies for the advancement of his kingdom that don't always look like what we think they may be or may not fit in our religious boxes. God started this whole thing. Think about it. We're going to wind up to where you're encouraged. Trust me. Certainly here is, is God has those strategies and he has these strategies for the new year for you and me. But we will face decisions in this new year that are pivotal to our, our, our continued future and our walk with the Lord. Lighthouse Fellowship will face decisions in 2019 that are obviously will bring us to a crossroads of whether or not we will be obedient to God or not. We always, in your life, in my life, it's the way it is. And God will place things in your life and my life that we will have to depend upon him and the decisions and choices that we make will be pivotal to what we do for the future and the kingdom of God. I believe that. I believe 2019 is crucial to what's happening. Now, we can step out in faith and believe God because he is working in all, all the affairs of mankind. He works in your life and my life also. 
You know, it could be said that when, you know, the doctors are saying, this is going on in your life, Jim, and, and you know, you, this is, is beginning to get ramped up here, and, you know, uh, heart disease is actually the, the biggest killer of all people and all. I could have basically, and I, I had to work through emotions. Trust me, I did. But I had to come back on that firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And no, these are pivotal points in Jim Barclay's life. These are things that I could say, okay, I'm going to go hide in a corner somewhere and I'm just going to stay out of the limelight and I'm not going to do this and that. And even if it's a spiritual attack, I could say, well, maybe if I kind of pull back a little bit here, that things will ease up a little bit. Have y'all ever thought that? Let me tell you, it doesn't ease up. It gets worse until we come to that place and make the choices that are godly, those things that trust the Lord. I want to tell you, we're going to obviously find some real challenges here. The Bible's Israel obviously is no exception to obviously that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And let me tell you, neither is America. America is no exception to all of this because God's judgment came on Israel and it affected Daniel's life. He was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar there. He was emasculated and made a slave in Babylon. And Daniel had been victimized by the, the iniquity of others, yet he doesn't embrace a victim mentality. He says, you know, I'm going to trust my God. I want to tell you, let me tell you, we can become self-absorbed with self-pity. We could say, why me? And it may have crossed his mind, but he didn't wallow in that self-pity because obviously everything that he does involves around his devotion to God. God's judgments on the nation does not even shake Daniel at all. He has a resolve. He's resolute to follow God's will in his life no matter what is happening. And again, he's in slavery. I want to share with you something that is very much a burden on my heart that I believe and I've told y'all, I believe that America is under the passive wrath of God. I believe that. I believe that we are seeing things happening. I believe that there's a possibility from words that I've heard and people uh, that uh, received things from the Lord before Harvey hit, that that possibly may have been a judgment. I don't know that, but I do believe that obviously everything has to be sifted through God's hands. But I want to tell you something right now that I believe is crucial as far as the future of this country. I don't know whether y'all knew it, but this past week in the New York Senate, that actually, or whatever it's called up there, their ruling body in New York State, they passed a law that says that a woman can have an abortion right up to through the third trimester, right before the baby is born they can have an abortion to kill the child right in the last night, last time part of the trimester of a woman's life. And what happened in that, uh, pe the people who voted, they got up and cheered and celebrated this particular law. Right now, Vermont is in the same situation of possibility of them doing that also. <laughs> The debate about whether or not a child at conception was a life and the fetus has always raged. But now there's no question 
that people don't know that a baby nine months in his mother's womb is a child that breathes and is a child of God. And they're taking this and ripping it, that baby out of the mother's womb. And let me tell you something, folks. God is going to judge America if we don't repent, and we don't repent soon. I want to tell you, I'm passionate about this. This nation is, is wallowing in darkness, and it's allowing this darkness to come in. People need Jesus like they never have before. This country is moving towards socialism right now. And people do not realize the danger that they're actually moving into today. Politics have changed. Our ruling people no longer have any fear of God. They don't have that today. God's people need to be on their knees praying and repenting in the gap for these people who have no idea what they're bringing upon their own lives, upon the lives of the people in this nation. We need to obviously have a righteous indignation for this absurdity, this gross sin that's upon this nation today. But you see, this is what Daniel was in. Daniel was in the same situation here in Babylon. And obviously, the, the, the prophets of Baal, and during this time, they did the same thing that America is moving in today. America has changed in my lifetime, and I know you can say the same. And my daddy, obviously, we all say, well, you know, in our previous generation and all, they probably said the same thing, and maybe they did. But let me tell you today, it is very alarming to what I see in this nation today. And judgment starts in the, in the church house of God. God looks at you and me and how we're going to respond in living our lives. You see, Daniel had a relationship with God Almighty. He loved the Lord. And no matter what happened, he continued on. Even in this, he still prayed three days, remember. He even, in Daniel chapter 1, talked about, I'm not eating the food that they're giving me. I want a different diet here because of his consecration to the Lord. I'm not going to do the things the world does. I'm going to live differently because I'm consecrated to the Lord. I want to ask you here by the end of the service, I want you all to stand up. If you want a fresh, if you want to consecrate your life to the Lord afresh too. And so I'm going to come back to this in just a moment because I feel like God has placed this on my heart today, this morning. Is This is a fresh consecration, which means being set apart for the Lord. And what we are doing when we do that, we are making a statement just like Daniel did, no matter how dark it gets, the light of Jesus in your life and my life can shine brighter. And the darker it gets, obviously, the brighter the light gets. We need to obviously stand here because Daniel was prepared for the crisis. Daniel had been prepared. Preparation, we talked about, for the bride of Christ. I don't know how long this can go on, but you cannot murder children in the womb and continue on without something. If we believe the word of God, then you cannot do this without God's judgment coming upon you. There's no way. And that means God looks at you and I. How are we going to stand in the gap for this nation? Ezekiel 22, when God said, I, I look for that one person to stand in the gap. 
So I wouldn't have to bring about what I got my wrath upon them. And remember, God's wrath and judgment is always to bring his people back. But you and I can can change things by our prayers and by our hearts before him, by staying up with these types of things and praying for our president, praying for our Congress and praying for our Supreme Court, praying for our leaders in the state and so forth that are doing things that are not lawful. We need to stand up, stand up for Jesus because he's the only one that can change it. I can't. My, my prayers can. He was prepared, Daniel had. He, you know, he, he'd obviously learned, and he, st- he learned God's word, and he became a person of prayer. He was a prayer there. Paul wrote, listen to this, and tell me that this doesn't obviously depict what's going on in our society today, right now. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and having a form of godliness but denying denying its power. We need the power of God, folks. We need the power of God's Spirit to come and, and touch us. And I don't care what He does. I don't care how He does it. I need Jesus in my life. I need Him to move back in the church house again, to stir our hearts up again. And move like he's never moved before. I'm desperate, and I know you are also. As I look at the trends in America over the last couple of decades, I'd say it's likely, obviously, there'll be some perilous times for America. This nation is following the same path of turning from God that Israel had done. It brought perilous times on Israel, obviously. Think about it here. You think about Daniel. You, you think about that, you know, uh, they're, they're, these people, there's a group now that's being formed, and, and actually the name of the group is Shout Your Abortion. They're training young people to celebrate their abortion. There actually is a group now, it's entitled Shout Your Abortion. They are celebrating these things. They're celebrating, they're teaching it to our young people. The schools are teaching this this nonsense about there's no God and so forth today. They took prayer out of the school. They did everything they can. They're trying to excommunicate God out of every aspect of society. And you and I need to know what? Our identity in Christ. And if we want to do this, we're not obnoxious and we're not inappropriate. We're loving and kind, but we stand up and stand up for what we believe. And let me tell you, we wave our flag in the marketplace We wave our flag and who we are as Christians in this nation today because I want to tell you, things could get darker and darker and according to the word of God, they will be. Think about it. A lot of times we think, well, you know, um, what can I do? What can I do? You can get prepared. You and I can get ready. We can pray. You know, one prayer, a little prayer uttered will shake the foundations of heaven. Don't you know that will happen? We see it. You remember what happened with uh, Stephen. You remember where he stood? He, he stood there and, and, and he took it. 
he said, Father, forgive them for they, they don't know what they're doing, and they stoned him because he stood up for Jesus, remember? You remember what happened with David and Goliath? He stood up. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? Who is he? Who is this enemy that's coming against this country that defy the people of God? Who is it? The darkness today, unbelief, these things that rear its ugly head against you and against me. Who is it today? I rebuke you in Jesus' name telling you to get out and start living for Christ. The Bible says, resist the devil. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submission to God, consecration to God, giving your life to him, taking these things seriously, believing and developing your relationship with God through the word of God and through a personal experience with the Holy Spirit of God. Ask him, ask him to come and fill you. Ask him to come and speak to you and move upon your life and stir that apathy and those things that we know that we don't want in our lives. I want to I be on fire for Jesus always. It's the only way, getting radical for him. Obviously, I'm not, I don't understand at all about the future, but I'm confident in God's ability to shine through his people even in the darkest of times. I'm confident. I don't know when the rapture will happen. Maybe we're counting on that and just saying, we'll be out of here. But we've got children. We've got a generation behind us, Generation Z, they're way down there, and, and they don't know anything, many of them, about Jesus Christ. They have no idea who Jesus is. They're not in a church house. And that's so when we get five or six, seven people, young people in here today, I celebrate and I thank God for that. How about you? Amen. I thank God. Because I want to tell you today, we got children in this place right now being taught the Word of God. Thank God. we got people in here who are ministering all over this community, and they're asking prayers today. Because what happens in these four walls are just for a short period of God, time. you got going out into the community and letting your light shine. This little light of mine. Let it shine, right? Hide it under a bushel. No! What does it say, Michelle? Hide it under a bushel. No. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. You know it. I'll have you sing it. We'll get you to sing it again, okay? Amen. We can shine in this, but we've got to know where we are. We've got to have strategies about this and know that God is overcomer. David did because David was prepared in his relationship with the Lord. The third thing is he was propelled into his destiny. We have a destiny in Jesus, amen? We have a destiny that goes far beyond what we can imagine. It's exciting too. You see, it was a moment of opportunity. Daniel is a man of a different spirit than the world. Instead of backing off, he steps forward. He put himself at even more risk. Remember what the king said. He said, anybody here can interpret my dream? And he said, but I'll let you know up front. If you don't interpret it, the way I think it's right and convicts my heart, then I'm going to chop you up into little pieces, according to the word, right? Daniel stepped up and said, okay. But what did he do? Now, Mary and I, I'm going to use Mary as an illustration here because Mary spoke to me this morning about this, and I want to share it too. If I can, I, can I share? Mary said, Jim, I said, can you, I love this song you're playing this morning, and uh, you keep playing for the Lord. I said, because your ministry is to us. And uh, 
And I know y'all can say, can you say amen to that? Amen. 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 And uh, she said, you know, Jim, I remember my mother saying something years ago when I was little. She said, if whenever you're asked to play, never turn it down. Always play. How does that relate to what I'm talking about? It's because I believe you're stepping out in faith when you do that because you're like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get it all right and so forth, but I guarantee you that Mary Louthan stepped out when called upon. Amen? Amen? That's the way we are in our Christian walk. There have been times in the past people have asked me to speak, and I'm going, Lord, I need a word from you. And I'm talking to all of us here now. I'm not talking to a preacher or a wonderful uh, musician. I'm talking about all of us here today. We'll have times when we're called to step out in faith. And I don't know whether or not Daniel knew the interpretation or not. He went to the Lord in prayer, and we need to go to the Lord in prayer. But there's a time to move out. There's a time when you move out and I move out. Is What happens is it's a step of faith. And we know faith is pleasing to the Lord. We know that, don't we? And it moves the heart of God. And so David actually interpreted the dream right, even though it was very obviously strong about Nebuchadnezzar, you know. And obviously Nebuchadnezzar took that because God had anointed what Daniel said. I say this today is because I believe some of you in here are calling to do something and you're not sure if it's God. I want to tell you today and just, just step out in faith. You serve a, a wonderful God who can correct your course so you go as long. I'm not saying to be reckless, but I'm saying if you've had a burden on your heart in serving the Lord or doing something for the Lord, it's in a family situation testifying or telling somebody about Jesus, step out in faith. You watch what happens. The power of God will come upon you and move upon your life in a powerful way. When I was first called to preach, I've shared my testimony many times. I thought, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't like getting up in front of people, to be honest with you. I'm nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. Anybody ever heard that expression? The cat just stepping around like that, and that's why I move so much. But I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. But I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And what happens when that happens? Every time when Jim Barcliffe steps out in faith, and he's in an uncomfortable situation, and I step out and just say, Lord, I don't know for sure about all this because I hadn't got my, all my ducks in a row and, and you know my life and all, and, and you know I'm a, I'm a rambling wreck and so forth, then the anointing of God comes and God moves. Daniel did the same thing. Changed the course of history. Why did I say all this? Because it's a pivotal decision that you and I make every day and whether or not we're going to be obedient to what God says. It's a pivotal decision. We're at crossroads, folks. We need to pray, because what's happening in New York will begin to obviously permeate. We're in a war. It's spiritual. It's not against, you know, Ephesians 6 talks about our war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And so we put on the full armor of God and we march forward. But if you've had something on your heart, you feel like you just said, the Lord, you're like, I can't get rid of this. It doesn't seem like it is. Remember, obviously, Peter there and, and Andrew, remember when they were called, Jesus said, follow me. 
and I'll make you fishers of men. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why teaching and studying the Word of God is so important every day. Get into the Word. Study the Word. Get a devotional that you like or whatever it may be and learn and grow in the Lord here. Daniel knew that when the crisis came, that a God who was sufficient for any crisis was personal to him. And he knew that any crisis, that it led him into an opportunity to do something for the Lord. So I would ask you this morning, how will you respond to the pivotal moments that lay ahead of you? It all depends on your preparation. You know, we're talking about being prepared, the bride of Christ being prepared and uh, getting ready, I believe. He's getting us ready, the bride of Christ. Isn't that exciting? Um, there's going to be darkness around us. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord comes upon you. Everything around us is going to get darker, but our light will shine brighter if we're prepared and we're ready for this onslaught of evil. Again, you ever think this was going to happen? You know abortion. And, and Houston is one of the largest uh, abortion factories up here off the Gulf Freeway that there is in this nation. was one of the first. I explained to you here several weeks ago. was one of the first. If people wanted an abortion in the United States, they came to Houston because that was easy to get an abortion. Killing children in the womb up to nine months right before they come out is what I call infanticide. But something will happen. And I'm, I'm right now, I'm, I'm blowing the trumpet. I'm saying, heads up. Heads up. Be ready. Be ready. Get right with Jesus. Give him your life today. If there's anything that you is on your heart, give it to him. He will remove it. He'll take it away. He'll cleanse you. He'll cleanse you in the blood. Amen? And then I want to pray today just for each one of you. And then I want all of you, if you want, to... Uh, that feel moved that you today would make a fresh consecration of your life to the Lord. I just ask him, ask you to just stand up and stand up for Jesus. And you can do that right now in Jesus' name. You can stand up for Jesus. A fresh consecration. Uh, setting apart. Consecration means setting apart. Just a fresh consecration to you, Lord. You demonstrated here in this place those who stood up physically or in their hearts, dear Lord. And I ask you today, honor this consecration to you today. And just like Daniel, we will not be moved. We will not back down. We will shine our lights of Jesus through us, dear God. So, Lord, we ask you to remove anything that hinders that light from shining, any sin, any types of besetting sins that just keep coming up. In the name of Jesus, remove it from our lives, Lord. And dear God, today, we're making that statement here in this church. I'm making that statement uh, as a, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ today. I'm making that before you. A fresh consecration. And these new beginnings that are happening here in 2019, and we don't know where it will wind up, but we know one thing, Lord. We want a closer walk with Thee. Just a closer walk with Thee. And so Holy Spirit, come and touch every person in this place with your power. Come, Holy Spirit. More of you, more of your love, more of your power. Touch every person here to be moved, to realize that it's time to stand shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, hand in hand with our Master, 
His name is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray today that you would bless this congregation, Lord. And Lord, today that you would do such a mighty work and begin with me, Lord. Begin with me. And such a mighty work in this congregation that all we do is for the glory and honor of Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.